the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So we started the show today talking about Mayor Ginther's <laughs> recommendations to make the Short North safer because the Short North has become Dodge City. Uh, we've had uh, shootings the last two weekends. What, 10 people shot um, two weeks ago? Everybody between 18 and 27. And then we had a guy in his 20s shot and killed last weekend in the Short North. And Andrew Ginther is America's worst mayor. Uh, his uh, stewardship of the city is uh, pathetic when it comes to crime. He's a Democrat, and all the Democratic cities, which is to say pretty much all of America's major cities, are run by Democrats, and they're run poorly by Democrats. And so the one thing Andrew Ginther's not going to do is put more cops on the street. That's not something that a progressive mayor or a Democratic mayor like Andrew Ginther can afford to get behind because that's not something progressives get behind. And we've uh, allowed this narrative to flourish in this country that police are bad, that punishment is bad, that punishment is racist. So all the policies and procedures that have worked in the past, and it's proven in New York under Rudy Giuliani, broken windows policing is a term that came about because Rudy Giuliani, when he became mayor of New York, said, you know what, if we let people get away with little crimes, what will happen is they'll escalate to bigger crimes. And so we're going to crack down on people who hop subway turnstiles. We're going to crack down on people who commit petty theft. We're going to crack down on people who vandalize things. And all of a sudden, what happened? The murder rate in New York declined precipitously, and the crime rate in New York declined precipitously. That has not been the story here in Columbus, and it's not been the story in any of America's major cities. You look in Baltimore, you look in Portland, you look in places uh, like Detroit, you look in Chicago, L.A., San Francisco. We rely on people's kindness now to lower our crime rate. See, it's it makes people feel bad if you hurt them. It makes people feel bad if you carjack them. It makes people feel bad if you steal things from them. And so what we have to do is we have to be kind to you. We don't want to punish you. We have to be kind to you. We have to give you a job or we have to give you guaranteed income or we have to tell you that you've been oppressed or that you have been marginalized by a system that was created to hold you down. So your failures, your inability to achieve, it's not Your fault, it's the fault of the system. So we see this in Columbus, we see it everywhere, and nothing's going to change here with forcing businesses or trying to ask businesses to close earlier. And nothing's going to change either in Chicago, where yesterday they uh, swore in their new mayor, and they'll be swearing at him very, very soon, Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson is left of Lori Lightfoot, who turned Chicago, a once great city, into an utter hellhole and a cesspool And you can see that in the fact that Chicago's murder rate per capita, nation's third largest city, is higher than the per capita murder rate in New York or L.A., the only two cities that are bigger than Chicago. But Brandon Johnson, he's going to bring a kinder, gentler, more tolerant, more diverse, more equitable brand of leadership to Chicago. And you can see it when you hear his reasoning for why people elected him mayor of Chicago. When the city of Chicago heard my truth, they heard their truth as well. 
Now, that's page one of the progressive platitude playbook right there, is that they responded to me because I feel, it goes all the way back to Bill Clinton, right? I feel their pain. Oh, sure you do. Well, the people of Chicago are going to feel more pain coming up because Brandon Johnson has elevated himself with a platform where he wants three things. He wants wants year-round jobs for youth. Oh, boy, free stuff. He wants greater mental health initiatives. Oh, yeah. And he wants more detectives. Now, that's an interesting ask. More detectives. Okay, so by hiring more detectives, he can say, I'm not anti-police. I'm not defund the police. Even though he said one time that defund the police was a real political movement. And when people said, well, do you support defund the police? He's like, Ah, well, it's not my movement. Oh, okay. It's a real political movement. It was not your movement. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so notice more detectives, but not more cops on the street. Andrew Ginther's not talking about putting more cops on the street in the short north. Brandon Johnson's sure not going to put more cops on the street in Chicago. Why? Because to put more cops on the street is to embrace policies that are put forth by Republicans, which is to say policies that work. Now, eventually, people are going to get tired of this. Eventually, the pendulum in Chicago is going to swing so far that I think there will be a mayor elected. It won't be a Republican, but it'll be a Democratic mayor who, and they had one, Paul Vallis was the candidate in Chicago who lost to Brandon Johnson. Eventually, they'll swing back. The pendulum will, I don't know if it'll swing back, but it will uh, meander its way back to where they'll get a more pro-police, pro-punishment type of candidate. And... We're starting to see around the country people coming to grips with the fact that these progressive policies that really gained steam in the aftermath of George Floyd's death, we're starting to see around the country instances of Newton's law of motion, right? Uh, For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So the more woke, the more progressive, the more stupid these policies become in our major cities then eventually people say, enough's enough. Now, the problem becomes when you have a state that's ruled by Democrats because the big cities in the state overwhelm the number of voters in rural areas because the cities, I mean, look at Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, heavily Democrat, state of Ohio for a long time swing state. Now, at least the people in the uh, rural areas of Ohio have gotten fed up with this. But Ohio's not the only state like this. Ohio's not the only state where you have a deep divide between what the people in the inner cities want, given the elections that put Democrats in power, and what people in the outlying areas want, where, you know, we get Republican leadership at every level, not just in the state house, but at the township level and everywhere else. I find it, therefore, highly, highly interesting Something you might not know about. There is a movement going on out west, way out west, called the Greater Idaho Movement. Now, what is the Greater Idaho Movement? Well, it is a movement by people in the state of Oregon, which is directly west, shares a border with Idaho. It is a movement by the westernmost counties in Oregon to succeed from Oregon. They're sick of it. They're sick of being held prisoner to woke policies by big cities in Oregon's eastern half, like Portland and Eugene and places like that. And the people in western Oregon, 
excuse me, yeah, the people in, no, the people in eastern Oregon want out of Oregon. They want to be part of Idaho. And so there's this movement called the Greater Idaho Movement. And they voted in 12 of the 15 easternmost counties of Oregon to leave the state of Oregon and join the state of Idaho. Now, you say, ah, 15 counties. What is that? There's 88 counties in Ohio, Bruce. Ah, it's a little tiny sliver of Oregon. No, it's not. You look at it on a map, it's more than half the state of Oregon. More than half the state of Oregon. Now, how deep's the divide ideologically in this state? The eastern half of the state of Oregon, again, super woke state, right? Super woke state. The eastern half of the state of Oregon, where these 15 counties are located, in the midterm election, one way to gauge who's a Republican, who's a Democrat, is who they voted for in the midterm election, right? 75% of the vote, 75%, three out of four, in eastern Oregon. Again, these are the GOP people. These are the Republicans. These are the MAGA people, I guess. 75% of their vote went to Republican candidates in the House of Representatives election. But in the western half of Oregon, the part that butts up against the Pacific Ocean, the part that's all in with California and all in with the state of Washington, Republicans got only 42% of the vote. That's a 33% difference in favoring candidates. Now, what is Idaho's vote breakdown? In Idaho, the vote breakdown was 67% GOP. So if these states and 12 of the 15 have voted to join Idaho and two of the 15, the clerk of courts in their counties won't allow them to put a ballot initiative on the ballot. So what does this show us? This shows us that the cities and the rural areas in the United States of America are deeply, deeply divided. We've known that, but when it gets to the point where more than half of a state like Oregon wants to join an adjacent state, that tells me that the party that's all about protecting democracy, 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 maybe the people are telling you your policies stink. Final segment on the Bruce Hooley Show. Appreciate you guys listening and want to remind you that if you miss a segment of the show or you like a segment of the show, hey, that would be awesome. If you like a segment of this show, you'd like to hear it again, or you'd like to you'd say to a friend, hey, you should have heard what Bruce said at such and such time. It's easy for you to, A, listen to it again, or B, send it to your friends. Just go to 989theanswer.com or theanswerdayton.com. Then go to the Listen tab, then find the Podcast tab, and that'll lead you to my show. Jeff puts the show together in half-hour increments. So if you like what I had to say in the last segment, when we're talking about the city of Chicago, we're talking about the uh, secession movement out in uh, the state of Oregon, you go to that site. You can find it by segment. And then just hit the share button, and you can copy and paste, copy the uh, link to it, and send it to a friend. Or you can listen to it yourself. So always easy to do. We make that available to you. And the podcast numbers are up, and we appreciate you guys doing that very, very much. Now, as I've said here recently, since Jack Windsor, who joined us at the top of the hour, started hosting the show when I'm gone, uh, I like Jack's kind of peaceful demeanor, and uh, I have pledged to like try to be more like that in the show, the stuff that the Democrats do, the stuff that our country is uh, tilting toward, more than tilting, but is actually like deeply immersed in. Uh, 
I react to in a very visceral way. But I don't want to leave you, particularly at the end of a week, without hope and without inspiration. Because again, um, read Revelation. We know how this we know how this game ends, okay? And we win. And we don't feel like we're winning all the time when we see the gains of the LGBTQ movement and we see whistleblowers in the FBI. Uh, having their lives ruined, and we see a Durham report that talks about how deeply weaponized our top law enforcement agencies have become. We don't feel like we're winning, but we are going to win. We are going to win. And we have to keep fighting because like, you fight for the right things. Uh, otherwise, you get run over by the other side, or otherwise you hasten how quickly things go south. And the the battle's not over. I mean, we're on the right side here. We're not on the right side because we're right. We're on the right side because God's right. And that's what I want to leave you with as we enter the weekend. So first, some good news. Uh, we do win occasionally, and I was uh, encouraged to see that the state of California, uh, which is already like, what, $30 billion in debt, and they're stupidly thinking about giving reparations to people who were never slaves, paid by people who never held slaves in a state that never allowed slavery— uh, they want to give reparations, but they're going to have to dig into their pockets. Gavin Newsom going to have to stop going to the French Laundry at least a couple of times because California has been ordered to pay $1.4 million in legal fees to four churches that fought the state when the state mandated that the health care plans offered by these churches had to cover abortion. That's not only a deplorable position for a state to take, it is an indefensible constitutional position. And so the state of California lost in court, and they have to pay back $1.4 million in legal fees paid by these churches in order to stand up for biblical truth when it came to the health decisions or the health coverage of the plans offered to the people who work for those churches. So there's a case where if you subscribe to the old theory, you can't fight City Hall. Oh, you know, we're a church. We shouldn't fight back and stand up for biblical principles. No, this is a case where doing that in the short term, and a lot of times we lose in the short term, but in the short term, this is a case where the church won. So that's awesome news and should encourage you as we head toward the weekend. Also a win. State of Texas yesterday passed by a margin of 93 to 49 its version of the Save Women Sports Act. So in the state of Texas, they're not going to have biological men, and there's no other kind of man, playing women's sports. We've had that bill Save Women's Sports Act, same name, same purpose behind it. Keep men out of women's locker rooms, out of women's spaces, out of women's sports, out of girls' sports here in Ohio. We've had it on the docket in the Ohio General Assembly for the better part of two years, I think three years. It's Jenna Powell's bill, and it has not gotten the push, the support, the leadership of Governor Mike DeWine. That's deplorable, but we are winning in some states, states where they have an authentically conservative governor and general assembly. So that's a win as well. I also wanted to play for you and have you take inspiration from a girl you've heard from before, Riley Gaines, swimmer, University of Kentucky. She's been pushing back, fighting back against, you know, the the transgender swimmer, the guy swimming in NCAA women's races, Will Thomas, who won an NCAA championship. Riley Gaines has been pushing back against this. The NCAA allowed Will Thomas a walk through a women's locker room, dress in a women's locker room, Totally naked man. He's got all the male genitalia. He's in the women's locker room. That's a form of sexual harassment. Uh, at at best, just sexual harassment. Riley Gaines has been putting herself on the front line, pushing back against this, subjecting herself to violent threats, subjecting herself to physical violence. San Francisco State University, she got assaulted. And 
The reason why cancel culture comes so hard physically, emotionally, verbally is because they want to shout you down. They want to silence you. They want to make you too afraid to speak up. Riley Gaines, not too afraid to speak up. She's delayed her enrollment in dental school at the University of Kentucky to fight this fight, to stand up for women who will follow her into high school sports, college sports. And she's taken it from the left, of course. And one of the harshest critics of Riley Gaines is a stupidly woke, but I repeat myself, California House of Representatives member Katie Porter. Katie Porter, big talker when she goes on Bill Maher, when she goes on these shows, rips on Riley Gaines, says Riley Gaines is doing this for personal fame, doing this for clicks. But when Katie Porter got the chance yesterday in Congress to make her objection to what Riley Gaines is doing person to person, when Riley Gaines went up and confronted her, well, let's just say that the scripture about darkness running from the light, it came true in real time. Here's Riley Gaines. Yesterday, I was, of course, in D.C. at the Capitol, and I saw Representative Katie Porter, who a few weeks ago, she's, of course, a Democrat representative from California. Um, A few weeks ago, she went on Piers Morgan and was talking about me and said she disagrees with everything that I do entirely because she thinks I'm doing it for clicks and for likes. And so I saw her yesterday for the first time in person. We made eye contact, which she very quickly acted like she was on the phone because she didn't want to address me. But I went up to her and I introduced myself and I said, hello, Representative Porter. My name is Riley Gaines. And I and she looked at me and said, congrats on being a competitor. That's what she said. And I said, I want to address something with you. She turned around and bolted. Wouldn't even let me get a word out. Wouldn't even the disrespect, the audacity to simply turn around and not even acknowledge or take accountability for what she said. Um, and to which once she turned around, I, of course, followed her. And I said, this is you, this comment you made of me doing this for clicks and likes, that is disingenuous. And you know this, you know, that's not why I'm doing this. Yet you chose to say that um, she did not respond. And she continued walking away, which I think shows perfectly the cowardice of these people to not even stand behind what you said about me to say it to my face. That's what I'm seeing across the board, traveling state to state. These Democrats, they can't look me in the eyes and say what they, I don't even think it's actually what they think, to to say what they're voting, um, the policies they're voting along and telling me to my eyes that they really mean that. Now, what Riley Gaines hit on there that you need to take into the weekend is the fact, the great possibility that Democrats don't even believe what they advocate for. Why do they advocate for it? Because it gives them access to and the ability to exercise more power. But one of the verses I read this morning, Proverbs 19:21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Yes, it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Do not be discouraged. Do not give in. Stand up for truth. Truth always wins in the end. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.